Al-Bayan Radio presents the following program from Masjid Al-Azhar, Bilmo. Presented by Shaykh Khalid Muhammad. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man walah, rabbi shrah li sadri, wa yassir li amri wa ahlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli. Insha'Allah ta'ala, brothers, today we'll get straight into lesson number nine as well, the nursing of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Uh, before we get into the nursing of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, firstly, what do we mean the nursing of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam? Ah, yeah, the wet nursing, yani the nursing, meaning the breastfeeding, pretty much, of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and how he was breastfed, and who he was breastfed by, and things like this. That's inshallah what we're going to be discussing today. Now, previously, remember we had uh, a discussion regarding the scholars of, of of the topic of breastfeeding. If you remember, يعني, approximately four or five lessons ago, I think it was, we touched up very briefly regarding this topic. And before we get into it, inshallah ta'ala, properly, we just want to understand, brothers, there's no problem Islamically whatsoever. Now, we're not going to get into the technicalities. For example, some of the ulama saying it's disliked and one, two, three for certain women, etc. One, two, three. The point is, generally speaking, there's no problem whatsoever to have your child breastfed by another lady that is not his mother. That is not his mother. So for example, if you have a baby boy or a baby girl, that's still an infant, that's still, for example, one year, just as an example, and you guys want another lady that's not his mother, and that's not your wife, for example, to breastfeed that child, there's no problem with that whatsoever Islamically. The thing is, though, obviously with certain conditions and the likes which the ulama have spoken about, uh, uh, in the topics of fiqh and the likes uh, There's certain things that are a, a result Or come about because of that breastfeeding So without getting into the conditions uh, uh, Some of the things which come about Or are, are, are a result of the breastfeeding Is that it establishes a mahram relationship Between the breastfeeder and the breastfed Not just that I'll give you an example to make it a bit uh, easier Inshallah to understand If you have your wife and you guys have a kid, for example. Now, your wife has milk in her breasts, pretty much, to breastfeed the child. Uh, so, if now your wife breastfeeds another person's child, another person's baby, once again, without getting into the technicalities for those that have studied the matter, or have studied the matter, for example, and the age, and how many breastfeedings, and how many sessions it takes, and one, two, three, without getting into all that stuff. The point is now, let's just say your wife has breastfed the child, the infant of another man, of another man. Now she becomes like the mother, pretty much the breastfeeding mother of that child. Her becoming the mother of that child, you being her husband and supporting in the production of that milk, you become the father of that child as well. The father of that child through breastfeeding. The mother and father of that child through breastfeeding, for example... Their parents becomes the grandparents of that child through breastfeeding. Their brothers and sisters become the uncles and aunties of that child through breastfeeding. And the likes. Now why is that important? Why am I even mentioning that? Not to go on a rant and one, two, three, any side topics. But to inshallah better understand what's to come today. So as we said, generally speaking anyway, just as an intro, there's no problem with having your child breastfed. Uh, by another lady that's not his mother But there are certain things we said That result are due to that Or because of that Such as establishing that mahram relationship Meaning now 
if for example your wife breastfeeds another boy, an infant, يعني, let's say she ha- you have your kid who's let's say one year, there's another kid who your best friend has, your best friend has a son that's a year old, and your wife breastfeeds your best friend's son, for example, let's say 10 times, 15 times, uh, 7 times, whatever it is, the point is that now you become the father the father through breastfeeding of your best friend's son. And your wife becomes the mother of that child. So now, for example, your wife is like his mother. As he grows up, as he grows up, your wife is never allowed to, for example, yani obviously marry him. Obviously, she's married to you, so she's never allowed to in the first place. The point is, he's allowed to travel with her as a mahram. Uh, he's allowed to see her unscarfed. Uh, any kid that you have after that, or that she has after that, Jazakallah khaira, that you or she has after that, become that kid's brother or sister. Becomes that kid's brother or sister. So for example, now your best friend's son is never allowed to marry any of your daughters because he's your son. Is that understood, brothers? Insha'Allah ta'ala, yani it's a bit clear. Uh, when it gets to certain technical matters and the likes, I always say regarding the topics of breastfeeding, sometimes it needs a, a whiteboard. You got to branch off and one, two, three, and what about if this guy met? And subhanAllah, many kind of cultures are known to do this. And that's why the ulama, they speak about the topic of breastfeeding and how it should be noted. It should be noted down, yani, so that we know who breastfed who. So that 10, 15, 20 years from now, we know, okay, what about if these two got married and it turned out that our great grandmother breastfed one, two, three, and then it ends up that they're siblings somehow. Or auntie and nephew, or uncle and niece, and one, two, three, yani. It's very important that we understand these masail. So, as we said, a mahram relationship would be established, but there are obviously certain uh, uh, matters that uh, aren't or don't result like the normal father son, father daughter, mother son, mother daughter relationship, such as inheritance that the breastfeeding children don't inherit from the breastfeeding parents, right? Uh, uh, such as maintenance as well, for example, and other matters which, inshallah, them, you can study them in the topics of, of uh, fiqh. The, pro- the point is here that the Prophet wasallam he was breastfed by multiple women. And today, inshallah, ta'ala, we'll get to know some of these women and some of the instances which occurred regarding these women and around these, uh, these women. The first of these was his mother, Amina, which we've already discussed before. Uh, the scholars, they differed. Uh, over how long did she breastfeed the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam her son for? Her biological son, her actual son, يعني, obviously the mother, Amina. Some of the scholars, they said it was three days. Some of the scholars, they said it was seven days. Some said nine days. In reality, it doesn't really uh, sprout any action. Meaning whether we said three or seven or nine or whatever, any of the ulama, they said, then what? It doesn't really cause us to act on really anything. So the point is, it's a difference of opinion amongst the ulama, yes. But whether it was three days or seven days or nine days, wallahu a'lam. The point is, obviously his mother, Amina, she did breastfeed her son Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. After his mother Amina, a lady by the name of Thuwaybah, Thuwaybah breastfed the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Her name came up when we spoke about the topic of Abu Lahab. If you guys remember, and the dream that was seen regarding Abu Lahab. And Thuwaybah, who breastfed the Prophet ﷺ, pay attention now brothers please. Thuwaybah, who breastfed the Prophet Muhammad 
She also breastfed someone related to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Who was he? Brothers? So you have a lady, Thuwayba, who was the freed slave of Abu Lahab, the Prophet's uncle. Thuwayba, she breastfed the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. This lady also breastfed someone else who was related or someone who was related to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Who was that individual who was breastfed by Thuwayba as well? He was the Lion of Allah. Who? Hamza radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib. Now Hamza is who to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam we said? The uncle. And after what we just said, according to that very brief intro, he was also the, the brother of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So how was he the brother and the uncle of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? He was the uncle obviously biologically and he was the brother through the nursing relations through the breastfeeding. So subhanAllah Thuwaybah, she breastfed the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and she breastfed uh, his uncle Hamza radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to honor Thuwaybah heavily. He used to really honor her. So much so that even after the hijrah to Al-Madinah, he would send her gifts. And Thuwaybah had such a relationship with her son, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, through breastfeeding, just to make it clear, that after he married Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha, she would actually enter upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Khadija, and both would honor Thuwaybah, the mother through, the mother through breastfeeding. And she's the one who we said, that it was said to Abu Lahab. Abu Lahab, he freed her, he manumitted her, after when, after she gave him Thuwaybah, glad tidings, she informed him of the birth of the son of Abdullah, of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So when it was mentioned, when Thuwaybah informed, informed Abu Lahab of the birth of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he became so happy. He rejoiced and eventually he set her free. And that's when we mentioned, if you guys remember previously, regarding the dream that was seen. Even though many of the ulama, they said the news is weak, the uh, narration, if you'd like to say, is weak regarding this story. But that's when we mentioned that when it was said that some of the family of Abu Lahab saw him in a dream, and they asked him in the dream, what state are you in? And how is your state? Are you in a good state? Are you in a bad state? So he said, I am in the worst of states. The worst. Abu Lahab, Abu Lahab, we all know. The worst of states, except that the punishment is reduced upon me or from me every Monday, every Monday, because of his rejoice at the news of the birth of the Prophet and his manumitting, his freeing of Tawaybah. And we mentioned there was a bit of a difference of versions regarding this story. Like in one story when he said, I'm in the worst of states. Except that he was given some water, some water to drink. A very little amount, so much so that it's mentioned that in the dream he indicated towards the space between his thumb and other fingers. That's how little amount of water he was given. But why was he even given that? 
according to this dream, which we said that many of the ulama, they said anyway, the sanad is, is mursal, it's a form of weakness anyway, it's weak and the likes. Why? Because of his rejoice, the happiness he showed and displayed and portrayed when he was or received the news of the birth of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and freeing of Thuwaybah. And Thuwaybah also breastfed others who would likewise become the brothers and the sisters of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. From them is Abu Salama. And Abu Salama, Abdullah ibn Abdul Asad al-Makhzumi radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, a great companion who was the cousin of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And then he ended up becoming the brother of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam through breastfeeding. Because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Abu Salamah and Hamza, they were all breastfed from the same lady. So they all became brothers through breastfeeding. They all became brothers through breastfeeding. Um Habiba radiallahu ta'ala anha, she mentioned to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now, take what we just took in the introduction, that, that brief intro to breastfeeding and the topic, yani, and implement it here, brothers, and try to understand this, insha'Allah ta'ala. It's not difficult if you understood what we said earlier. Um Habiba, our mother, the mother of the believers, the wife of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, wa radiyallahu ta'ala anha, she said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, she mentioned to him, to marry her sister. To marry her own sister. She said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, won't you marry her? So then he said to her, would you like that? And she said, yes, pretty much I'm not yani, your only wife now. And the most that I would like to share in the goodness is my own sister. Yani, subhanallah, she wants good for her sister. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the best of the best of men, the best of the best of creation. Now she's saying to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, why don't you marry my sister? So then he said, would you like that? She said, yes. I'm not, I'm not your only wife now. You have other wives. So the most that I would like to share in the goodness is my own sister. So he informed her that it's not allowed. He's not allowed to anyway. It's not halal. Why isn't he allowed, brothers? You can't marry two sisters at the same time. Didn't Dhunnurain. Who's that? The possessor of two lights. Huh? Uthman radiallahu ta'ala anhu Why was he called that? It was mentioned It was mentioned that he was named that The possessor of two lights Because he married two of the daughters of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam But was it at the same time? No When one passed away he married the other And look at the status of his The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam After the second died Passed away he said to Uthman, if I had another, I would have married her off to you. If I had another, I would have married her off to you. Yani, Allahu Akbar, if that doesn't show you, prove to you the status of Uthman, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, and his position in the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam's eyes, then what will? For the point is that he's not allowed to share, no man is allowed to marry two sisters at the same time. So now here, Um Habiba said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, but we're getting told 
We're hearing that you wanted to marry Durrah. And Durrah, Durrah was the daughter of Umm Salama, radiallahu ta'ala anha. And Umm Salama was who? Abu Salama's wife before he passed away. After he passed away, she became married to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. For she became our mother, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's wife. The point here is now, what is Umm Habiba, the wife of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, saying to him that we heard, so alright, you can't marry my sister because you can't marry two sisters at the same time. We heard you want to marry Durrah, and you want to get married to Durrah. Durrah is who? The daughter of Umm Habiba. Uh, of Umm Salama. Okay. Umm Salama is who? The Prophet's wife now. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So now he confirmed just to make sure it's the right one. As some of the ulama like Ibn Hajar mentioned. That he said, Umm Salama, uh, uh, the daughter of Abu Salama. Yani Durra, the daughter of Abu Salama. She said yes. So what did he say the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? He said that she is not halal for me. Meaning she's not permissible for him. Why is she not permissible for him, brothers? Now take everything you just heard and tell us why she's not allowed or he's not allowed to marry Durrah, the daughter of Abu and Umm Salama. It's his sister? How is it his sister through breastfeeding Durrah though? Durrah is whose daughter? His wife's daughter. Who's his wife? Who's the father of Durrah? Abu Salama. Who's Abu Salama to the Prophet sallallahu His brother. Which means she would be his niece pretty much. His brother's daughter. See? That's one of the reasons. What else? Why else can he not marry Durrah? The daughter of Umm Salama. It's his stepdaughter. <laughs> As well. So for two reasons here, he is not allowed to marry her. Is that clear, brothers? Uh, inshallah, it's, it's, this is why I said, يعني, what did I just mention? Sometimes, not in respect to this, it gets a lot more intense. Sometimes it's like, get the whiteboard out. <laughs> you got a branch and you got a... <laughs> Subhanallah, regarding certain masail. Also, it's been mentioned as well, uh, that Ibn Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he said... To the Prophet sallallahu he says it was mentioned to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, won't you marry Hamza's daughter? Who did we say Hamza is? Huh? That's right, good. His brother through breastfeeding and his uncle. So what is Hamza's daughter to him? His niece and his? His cousin. His cousin. Yusuf, his cousin. Because Hamza is his uncle. Not biological brothers through breastfeeding. Which means Hamza and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam being brothers through breastfeeding, right? Hamza's daughter is his niece. See? But it's also his cousin. Because Hamza's his uncle. So why can he not marry her now? Because it's his niece. Not the second reason. Because Islamically you're allowed to marry your cousin. Islamically you're allowed to marry... Your cousin, and that's very important to understand. Because it's not like what some people think that the cousins are mahram, where mahram to them, yani, that wallah, your girl cousin, she can go unscarfed in front of you, and you can be alone together, and things like this, you're not allowed. The cousin is a non-mahram to, to, to the other cousin. Okay, so anyway, 
Once again, without going off too much. The point is now, we mentioned previously as well regarding the topic of Thuwaybah, that uh, 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 most of the ulama, the vast majority, even some of the ulama, they said, we don't know of any other opinion that she, she died as a non-Muslim. But it was mentioned that she died as a Muslim. It was mentioned. But the vast majority of ulama, they were on the opinion. And as I said, some were even went to the extent where they said, we don't even know of a difference of opinion regarding this matter, that she uh, died as a non-Muslim. Uh, and, and we mentioned that, and who said what previously in the previous, um, I don't know if it was four or five lessons ago, you can go back inshallah ta'ala. Uh, uh, how did Thuwayba get the milk, the breast milk, through her son Masruh? She had a son by the name of Masruh, and who also, wallahu a'lam, as if I recall correctly, Allahu A'lam Al-Zahabi rahimahullah mentioned that he does not know regarding Masruh becoming a Muslim anything, any news regarding that. The point is, Thuwayba had her son Masruh, she was breastfeeding, and through that milk she breastfed the rest, Wallahu Ta'ala A'la wa A'lam, because Hamza was born two years before the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. As for Umm Ayman, Umm Ayman, According to many of the ulama, she wasn't the Prophet's mother through breastfeeding, the nursing mother of the Prophet ﷺ, even though some have mentioned that she was. And we mentioned previously a bit about Umm Ayman, and we'll leave it inshaAllah ta'ala to the future, if Allah Azza wa Jal wills for us to hear more about her, her life and who she was exactly, because she will come up again in the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ, inshaAllah ta'ala. As for an- another lady by the name of Khawla bintul Munzir, likewise she was someone, according to some of the scholars who breastfed the Prophet ﷺ, Khawla bintu al-Munzir, but the correct opinion, wallahu a'lam, is that she breastfed the son of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Ibrahim, and not the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam himself. One of the major figures that any student of Sirah is bound to come across is another lady who breastfed the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and she was Halima. And before we get to touch up on the topic of Halima and this, this lady, this great lady, who breastfed the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam? Who died as a Muslim as well? We want to understand, brothers, that at that time, it was the custom of the Arabs, and I specify in this case the Meccans, the people of Mecca, from the city areas and the likes. What would they do? They would send out their children. They would send them out with the Bedouin Arabs. They would send them out to the desert areas. Ah. Huh? What, what is it? Why we're going to mention that inshallah ta'ala? <laughs> just give me just another, few, another minute or two inshallah. So here we said that from the customs of the Arabs, as I said at that time, would be they would send them out to the Bedouin areas. And when you see some of the reasons, you see that we still have some of these reasons with us today. And we might even have this same mindset. Because in reality... It's a, a, a good reason which they used to send them out. So here Abdul Muttalib wanted to do the same for his grandson. He wanted to send him, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, out likewise with the Bedouin Arabs to live amongst them for some time and to pretty much get breastfed by the Bedouin women and the likes. As Suhaili he mentions rahimahullah in his text, Ar-Rawdul Unuf, some of the reasons as to why the Arabs would do this. Paraphrased, some include, 
One of the reasons is that so the infant can get raised, the child can get raised by or with and by the Bedouins. And that will in turn, brothers, be purer, purer for his tongue, his speech, his language. And it would lead him, this child, whoever he is, to being more eloquent. To being more eloquent. And we see that today. For example now, brothers, for those who maybe speak Arabic, or for anyone who has their own language. I'm not talking about the brothers who only speak English now and don't know a language other than English. But if you have in your culture, if you have, يعني, you have a language other than English that you speak, and especially if for you, for you, it's your main language, your first language that you use. Now you have a kid. You know that in Sydney, Australia, most likely that child is going to lose the language. Is going to lose that first language. Most likely. What I mean lose, I, I don't necessarily mean lose it altogether. But it's going to either become extremely weakened and diluted. Or they're going to start to use a lot more slang and one, two, three. So now, for example, when we have the Fusha Arabic, the pure, eloquent, undiluted Arabic, right? The Arabic of the Qur'an and the likes, يعني, of our religion, not the polluted, diluted Arabic. Now, you want that kid to learn that pure, unpolluted, undiluted Arabic. So what do you do? Because you know if they stay in this environment, they're going to lose it. They're going to lose it. So what do you do? Maybe you go overseas with them for a few years to engrave and instill that language in them. For them to use it whilst they're still young, whilst they're still youth. And then inshallah ta'ala, as we all say, kids are like sponges. Kids are like sponges. So when you take them out for those few years and they use the language and they hear the language and they see people using it and one, two, three, especially in the natural habitats, environments and the likes يعني, of, of, of the people that use it, then inshallah it'll be more pure for them. And better for them. Uh, and it will stay with them inshaAllah ta'ala. So the point is that is one of the reasons they would send the children out to those areas. Out to those areas. So that they can learn that pure, undiluted, unpolluted language. And mix with the pure, pure Arabs of that time. And the second thing brothers is that so the child can become stronger physically. And we all know that as well yani. If you take, just here, forget going outside of the country. Just if you go out with a kid, right? Outside of the area, يعني, or the areas that we're familiar with, outside of their homes, they go down to the farmlands, to Young, to Goulburn, to Bevendale, to whatever it is, يعني, all these areas, and they get their hands dirty, as we say, they're going to become stronger naturally. And they're going to mix more. And they're going to one, two, three. And that was one of the reasons... Likewise, that they used to send their kids out. The third reason, or a third reason, is that they saw it better and more fruitful and more pure for their intelligence and their mind and their intellect. Sending them out and letting them mix in those areas with those people and the likes. So in comes now, brothers, the story of the wet nurses coming to Mecca to take some of these children and go take them back to the Bedouin areas to look after them, in turn breastfeed them as well if it's needed, and one, two, three. So we said now 
that regarding the Arabs, they would what? They would send their kids out, correct? Okay. What used to happen often is that there used to be a time, a time, if you'd like to say a season, where the women would come from those areas to the city areas to take some of the kids back with them, to take care of them and look after them. So now the wet nurses from the Bedouin areas come to Mecca and they want to now search for the elites and the honorable and the likes, the, those, the kids who come from those kind of families. Who can think of one reason why they'd want that for? There's one specific reason I'm thinking of I have in my head right now. That's a good reason and that is one of the reasons. For, yeah, good. Bo- both of those are two of the main reasons. Very good. That is, those are two of the main reasons. One of them being, now they can form relations with that family. And more so, which was mentioned specifically by Halima, radiallahu ta'ala anha herself, was that they would seek compensation, a reward from the family of the breastfed child or the child, yani. That was taken and looked after and sent and one, two, three. So why I mentioned that we're going to say insha'Allah ta'ala. So we said Halima was a lady from the Bedouins. She was from Banu Sa'd ibn Bakr. She breastfed the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And her husband Al-Harith ibn Abdul Uzza. Both of them, Halima and Al-Harith radiallahu ta'ala anhuma, They both accepted Islam. She says that she, now she's telling the story, along with her husband and her young son, who she was breastfeeding, along with other women from the same tribe, looking for children to suckle and take into their care, they made their way to Mecca. They made their way to those city areas. She says, That was in a year of drought, famine. Uh, they, it, it was a real need, yani, especially in the Bedouin areas now. It was a, a year of drought and famine. They really needed this. They needed to go find that family, that honorable family, that family that could give them that reward, that compensation. Uh, they wanted that. And they say it was a year, or she says, it was a year of drought and famine. It didn't leave anything for us. As we'll see very shortly, inshallah. She says that she went on a donkey, Qamra, extremely white. Extremely white. And this donkey was said to be slow and weak and skinny and all of these things as they were making their way to, to Mecca. She says, Ma'ana sharifun lana wallahi ma Subhanallah. She says, with us was an old she-camel. She says, by Allah, it was milkless. Milkless. Not even a drop of milk, this camel that they had with them. She says, We wouldn't sleep any of the night at all. And her and her husband. We wouldn't sleep any of the night because of that child that was with us. Why? Oh Halima, why? She explains. She says, Because of how much he would cry out of hunger. You know? Subhanallah, يعني, as we're going to see right now, وَمَا فِي ثَدْيَيَّ أو ثَدْيَايَ مَا يُغْنِيهِ وَمَا فِي شَارِفِنَا مَا يُغَذِّيهِ There wasn't in my breasts, she says, enough milk to suffice him. 
And there wasn't in the she camel that which would nourish him, meaning of milk as well. So she didn't have enough milk, and the camel didn't have enough milk. So the child would not be getting nourished, would not be getting suffice. So he would cry the night, and they wouldn't sleep. And subhanAllah, brothers, that shows you as well the importance of the parents as well. Huh? The parents, subhanAllah, even if they're disbelievers and one, two, three, the parents, they get little sleep, subhanAllah, if it means or if it comes to a point where their child is suffering. Even if it's a little bit. Like even if it's just a little temperature that the child has and the child is sleeping perfectly fine, even if still the parents would have a hard time getting a proper sleep. Subhanallah, yani. Once again, reminding us, as we always mention, the importance to be dutiful and the likes to the parents. So she says here, but we hoped for assistance and relief. So she says that when they reached Mecca, there wasn't a single lady, yani a witness. There wasn't a single lady, a witness. Family. There wasn't a family that was offered. Listen to this, subhanallah. There wasn't anyone pretty much that came with them in that cavalry. Huh? There wasn't anyone that was offered Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam to take him except they rejected. They didn't want to take him. Subhanallah. What a great loss. Wallah ya'ni. What a great loss. This is Halima saying from herself that no one from everyone who came with us ya'ni, looking for a child Looking for a kid to take back. No one was offered the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam except that they would reject him. They didn't want him. Why do you guys think? Yes, Mr. Yusuf. Huh? <laughs> would have been a headache because he's not sleeping, but how would they know he doesn't sleep? Good, okay, yeah, brothers? Yeah, uh, he, he, no father is he was an orphan. Because he was an orphan means no father. No, not just that, but be, not, what, what's an orphan as we explained before? Yeah, no father before puberty. Yeah, but like what you said exactly, Rami, now no father means no money. Or no father means little money or less money, generally speaking. So let's see what she says. She explains this. She says, فَمَا مِنَّا مُرَأَةٌ إِلَّا وَقَدْ عُرِضَ عَلَيْهَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم فتأباه. That there wasn't a lady that was offered the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم except she would reject him. إِذَا قِيلَ لَهَا أَنَّهُ يَتِيمٌ When it was said to her, that lady, يعني, that he's an orphan. He's an orphan. وَذَلِكَ Why now she explains, وَذَلِكَ أَنَّا إِنَّمَا كُنَّا نَرْجُوا الْمَعْرُوفَ مِنْ أَبِي الصَّبِيِّ فَكُنَّا نَقُولُ يَتِيمُ وَمَا عَسَى أَنْ تَصْنَعَ أُمُّهُ وَجَدُّهُ She says that we used to hope for something in return pretty much by the father. Yani that's why when it was said that he's an orphan, well we used to hope that there would be something, compensation, reward from the father. So it, we would say or they'd say, what will the grandfather and the mother do? What, yani the grandfather and the mother, they're not the father still, especially when it comes to income and the likes as well. So they all refused him. But after some time now, and inshallah we're going to finish very shortly, after some time now, it's time to go back to the area where they came from. What, why did they go to Mecca, the city areas? So that they can 
take the kids to look after them, get some compensation, one, two, three, back to the Bedouin areas. We're not talking about a day or two, brothers, or a week or two, or even a month or two. We're talking at times years. Years this child would stay with them and live with them. For obviously the compensation would be decent. Wallahu a'lam. The point is now, after some time when it was time to go back, now she takes a look. This is Halima. She sees everyone has a kid except me. She didn't get anyone. She didn't get any kid. So now it's time to go back. Everyone she came with, everyone she came with, got a kid to take back. Except her. So she, she says that she said to her husband, how she dislikes returning. And all of the other women and the friends and the likes went back with a child. Except her. So she says, by Allah... I'm going to go back to that orphan and take him. And her husband agreed, brothers. And in the narration, he mentions that he said a beautiful statement. A statement which, wallahi, yani, subhanallah, uh, uh, firstly is so true. And is backed and in reality based of so many verses and narrations in the kitab and the sunnah. He says, after he told her, yeah, you know, do that. Go back and get, let's get the orphan. Yani the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, obviously they didn't know he was a prophet. And one, two, three, he was still an infant. So let's go back. That's a good idea. Take him. He says, an yaj'ala fihi barakah. Perhaps, Allah may, uh, perhaps Allah may place blessing in him. Or we can understand it. Or bless us through him. It could be. Let's do it. It could be that Allah will bless us through this child. Or Allah will place barakah, blessing in this child. And subhanallah, Allah Azza wa Jal, what does he say? وَعَسَىٰ أَن تَكْرَهُ شَيْئًا وَهُوَ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ It could be that you dislike something, perhaps, but it is good for you. And Allah Azza wa Jal, he says, فَعَسَىٰ أَن تَكْرَهُ شَيْئًا وَيَجْعَلَ اللَّهُ فِيهِ خَيْرًا كَثِيرًا Perhaps you may dislike something, but Allah Azza wa Jal, Allah brings through that a great deal of goodness. A great deal of goodness. And she said, nothing led me. She's saying this now. She's openly mentioning it clearly. Uh, that nothing led me to take that kid, that child, that infant. You need that orphan. Except that I couldn't find anyone else. But then subhanallah, brothers, look at the blessing that Allah Azza wa Jal immediately, straight away, blessed her with. And her husband. And everything that was related to her in the sense of the crops. And the land and the animals. So she says that when she lifted him to her breast, when she lifted Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam to her breast to drink, she says those which previously did not have any milk in them, little milk yani, that wasn't even enough to suffice her actual biological son, they became filled with milk. They became Filled with milk. Look at the blessing that Allah Azza wa Jal placed. Look at the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's blessing which Allah Azza wa Jal placed for him. She says that pretty much they became filled with milk. And she says so much so that he drank until he was full and his brother drank likewise and they slept. Meaning now him and his brother, his brother how? Through breastfeeding. Him and his brother, they slept. And she says, and we hadn't slept the night before that. And my husband, she says, went to the she-camel to milk it. This camel that was dropless, milkless, or very minimal. She says, he went to milk it. 
And the camel which didn't have a drop now was filled with milk. Filled with milk. So he milked it and then he drank. And once again showing you the importance of the parents. How they would prefer their children to drink before them. So he milked it and he drank. And then he became full and I drank, she says. And then I became full and content. And we spent and slept the best of nights. So he said to her, Al-Harith, her husband. He said to Halima, radiyallahu ta'ala anhuma, ta'lami wallahi ya Halimatu, laqad akhavti nasamatan mubaraka. No, understand. No, and understand, O oh Halima, you have taken a blessed child. You have taken a blessed child. So she continued by saying that they left and they rode their donkey. This donkey, as we said, brothers, that was weak, that was slow, that was looked at as ah, the lower class donkey, the lower class beast, that lower class car, if you'd like to say. Uh, she says that when they went back, that she carried the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. They rode the donkey, and this donkey made up so much ground that no other ride, no other beast of the other women could make up. So much so that the other women, they said to Halima, take it easy. <laughs> take it easy, yani. have mercy on us. We've got to catch up to you. Subhanallah, the barakah, the barakah. And it was mentioned as, uh, we said here, Ya yabnata abi dhu'ayb. They call out to Halima, yani, wa haki. Woe to you. Yani, take it easy on us. Alaysat hadihi atanuki. Is this not your donkey? Is this not the same donkey that you left on? What happened, Yani? You know, you came to Mecca, the, the donkey is about to fall over. You're leaving Mecca, we're about to fall over from the dust of what the donkey is leaving. So, from how quick it's going and how agile and how one, two, three. For subhanAllah, they couldn't believe it. So, when they went back, this is Halima now saying, when they got back, now they arrived. They found that barren land. We said drought. Famine, the land is white, the land is yani, uh, uh, fruitless, vegetableless, no, nothing on it, subhanallah. Dead, dead, dead land. That land became filled with everything. That land became green, filled with life, subhanal khaliq. And she mentions this, yani. so he stayed with them for two years until the period of weaning came. And some of the scholars mentioned that he would grow differently to other children. And what the Prophet ﷺ would manage in a day, other children would manage in a month. What he would manage in a month, other children would manage in a year. That's what some of the ulama they mentioned. So then now, after two years of this barakah, after two years, and we we'll end with this inshaAllah, after two years of the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ, Spending that time with Halima and her husband Al-Harith and their son and in that environment and in the, those areas and things like this, they went back to his mother, the Prophet Wasallam's mother Amina. And now, what do you think they want? Do you think they want to give the Prophet Wasallam to her? Absolutely not. So they asked her and they requested and they wanted from her to allow the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to stay with him, to stay with them. But did she let them or did she not? Insha'Allah we'll leave that to the next lesson. And the next lesson brothers, insha'Allah we'll be discussing one of the major events, one of the, 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 one of the most major of events 
that happened in the childhood of the Prophet ﷺ, which is the instance or the incident of the splitting of the chest of the Prophet ﷺ. Wallahu a'la wa a'lam wa sallallahumma wa sallim wa barik ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man walah wa jazakumullahu khaira brothers. Barakallahu feekum. This program was presented by Albayan Radio, the voice of Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah.